This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hi, movie addicts. Welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by Frank Reddy. Hi. I'm going to send this into part two. Welcome to part two. I'm going to be in the driver's seat for a little bit. Andrew's going to sit there for a moment and reflect upon... Cancer. Mortality. Mortality. So this is the spoiler section. So if you don't want to be spoiler spoiled, you should not be listening to this podcast right now. You should go back and listen to part one or listen to our talk about Moneyball or Drive even. Let's talk about 50-50, Frank. I want to ask you a serious question. Okay. Did you learn anything from this film? No. Me either. Well, that's not true. I learned I learned two things. I learned, one, uh, cancer sucks. Uh, two, I should probably clean out my car. Yes. Other than those things, I didn't really learn anything. I'm okay with not having learned anything, though. I don't think it was supposed to be... I find life lessons in movies trite, but... So That's you, just me. So you didn't come away from the film feeling inspired or... No, I felt away... I walked away from it feeling like I should definitely... I felt... I walked away from it feeling very fortunate to have everything that I have. Uh, you know, health, friends and family, things like that. Not take that for granted so much. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. You know... But I'm not sure if that was due to the film being well-crafted or just due to the fact that it's about a guy with cancer. Any time you spend two hours watching a guy with cancer waste away, you're going to feel a little bit better about your own life. I would argue that there has to be some craft in order for, in order for it to work, especially with this kind of movie where they're trying to make it funny at the same time. I would argue that there's a degree of skill that goes into that. To us walking out feeling like that. We could have walked out feeling like that was a waste of $10. Well, in part one of our discussion, it seemed like we had a bit of a disagreement about how effective the relationships in the film were. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. My big thing is that I feel like the characters weren't very developed. They weren't really three-dimensional. And as a result, the, the, the relationships portrayed felt a bit land to me. For example, we've got our protagonist played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's in a relationship with his girlfriend played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. And she cheats on him, turns out to be a bit of a bitch, to be blunt. And she's just not portrayed in a very sympathetic light. And I was sitting there watching the film and I was thinking, okay, Obviously, she's in the wrong for cheating on him, which is something we could have all guessed from a mile away. But, you know, I felt like it was a bit too easy to just paint her as the bad guy. In a real-life situation like that, where you're dating someone that has cancer, that's going to be a big deal. That's going to bring on some difficulties. That's going to bring on some issues. And I felt like the film really didn't dive into their relationship very much. No, I, I don't think it made it the center point of the film, um, but I do think that they, they 
uh, I don't think that she was portrayed as just the villain. I think they gave you a sense beforehand that it wasn't necessarily the best relationship, and you could kind of see. Well, they, well, the only thing they they tell us to imply that the re- that the relationship might not be going well is that they haven't had sex in three weeks. And I'm sorry, but that's not a decent sign that the relationship's on the rocks. I, I think they were even a little cold in that first scene they had in the bedroom, though. It just didn't feel. You didn't get the the connection you felt between. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anna Kendrick, where you always kind of felt a little bit of a of a spark. Um, with them, it was more a little bit more frigid. Um, but what I think sold it for me was uh, the scene where the mother says, "You know, who's going to take care of you?" And Bryce Dallas Howard says, "Well, I'll take care of him." And just the look on her face, like that pause she takes, she looks like she's doing something that she feels obligated to do but she in no way wants to do. So, I mean, that raised a lot of questions in my mind that the film didn't necessarily answer, which I was fine with, which is, you know, was the affair going on before she found out he had cancer and, and then she just got stuck? Or did it was it afterwards and a result of the strain of taking care of somebody? Um, right, I mean, I mean, when she's finally caught red-handed, yeah. you know, she basically says, well, you know... It's been really hard, and it's caused some issues, and I wanted to know what those issues were. I wanted to to know more of what was going on in her mind. I did actually kind of feel for her as a character being put into this situation, and I felt like the film treated her rather unfairly. And again, maybe that's because, as we were talking about before, it's easier to make fun of or to... In this case, side with our protagonist. If if you know if you're just supposed to laugh at the girlfriend or think she's a horrible human being, I don't think she was a great human being. Um, well, I mean, even even when the, when they have the final confrontation yeah. on the porch, and he you know, and she's trying to get back together with him, I felt like that was the film trying to say, "Hey, look." You see how manipulative she's been, how she cheated on him, and now she wants to come back. She's such a bad person. And then when he tells her to get off the porch and leave, there was almost this sense of triumph, like, yeah, you go, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You tell her. She deserves it. And I was just kind of sitting there thinking, I don't know if she really deserves it. I haven't really seen enough of her as a person, you know, for me to think that she fully deserves that treatment. But maybe that was just me. Yeah, I, I think that she maybe did. I, I, I just don't think she ever really seemed that into taking care of him, even when she was there. Um, it just seemed to her, like to me, like it was more of a chore for her, which is, which is fine. I, like I said, I think it, it adds depth that she kind of got stuck doing it because that is a terribly... It's a terrible position to be in where, you know, for all we know, she could have been going home to break it off with him that night, and then he drops the bomb that he has cancer. Right. And I, I thought it was interesting also that she mentioned in that scene you were talking about on the porch that her art gal- her art gallery show was a huge failure. And you get the impression that that's what's driving her back to him. Yeah, I mean, there were there were little hints of depth, but there were never any scenes where I felt like we were really shown who she was as a person and that just that that whole dynamic just felt a bit too simplistic to me now you met, you you brought up uh, the relationship with Anna Kendrick's character of the therapist mm-hmm. that was interesting 
but at the same time felt really wrong because I was just sitting there and I was thinking, you know what, dude? She's your therapist. And you know what, lady? He's your patient. And this is definitely flirting with some some great ethical lines. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that. And again, it almost seemed like it was very simplistic. Like it was because this is supposed to be a comedy, because this can't end in tragedy. I felt like the film was taking the easy way out and being like, oh, look, he has cancer. But it's okay if you have cancer. You can fall in love with your therapist. That'll, that's great. Look. And I, to me, I felt like it would have been much more realistic and it would have resonated a lot more if he had either gone through the movie essentially single and still been single at the end or if he had met someone who wasn't his therapist. That seemed a bit too cookie cutter to me. Yeah, I, I give you credit there. Um, I think that's a tough area. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, let's be honest here. Does he actually learn anything from therapy? No. She. No. I mean, he doesn't really have any breakthrough moments. He basically just goes to therapy and is either whiny or angry, and they banter a little bit, and that's it. I felt like she wasn't a very good therapist. The therapy scenes really served no purpose except to set up this potential romance. I think it provided an interesting forum to see how he was was coping with it. Because I, th- I think to just even have him sit on the couch and refuse to say anything, I think, speaks volumes. And I think with her, at least in the beginning, he gave her a little bit more attitude than he was willing to show anybody else. Like, I feel like around everybody else that he knew, he had to kind of put on an air of... I'm fine. It's the same as it's always been. As with, with her, you could kind of be a little bit more shell shocked. I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've seen Goodwill Hunting too many times. But I've seen, you know, there's been too many movies about therapy where the guy goes in and is angry or withdrawn or doesn't want to open up, and then eventually he does. And this movie didn't even have that, really. Yeah. And it just was like, well, we're gonna have some scenes of uh, Joe Scorn Leather on the couch looking upset and like he's hurting from the chemo and I was just kind of I kind of felt like you could remove all the therapy scenes from the film and it probably wouldn't change much about how I viewed his character I it would would change how I viewed him I think because I think all those moments where he just refuses to to talk refuses to kind of well well, he's like that with everyone else though we're seeing that he doesn't talk to Seth Rogen, his friend about it, he doesn't talk to his mom. I think the therapy though really puts a hot, really puts a spotlight on it because um, I think that's where he does his most intense dancing around it. Um, so that makes the scene where he breaks down in the car, I think, a lot more effective. Yeah, I can sort of see that. You know, again, that scene in the car is the one moment he breaks down, and again, it's just him by himself mm-hmm. in the car, and I think that was in some ways really really effective yeah where he's just like all right you're my friend but get out of the car i'm gonna break down for a little bit yeah and that i thought was pretty well handled but as a result i came away feeling like okay well did we really need those therapy scenes i mean he hasn't talked to anybody he's kept everything bottled up inside and what was the point really i mean we could have gotten to this moment in the car 
without the therapy, I think, based mm. on the way we've seen him interact with his friend, based on the way we've seen him interact with uh, his ex-girlfriend, uh, with his mother. I think we could have gotten here without the therapy. You really want everyone to walk away from every movie having learned something, don't you? No, 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 no. not having learned something. I'm just saying I I felt like I couldn't – I felt like it wasn't a very nuanced or realistic take on characters dealing with a situation like this. And as a result, I didn't really connect emotionally with the situation. I, I still laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. And there were certain scenes near the end that you mentioned the breakdown. There were certain scenes near the end where I thought where I did have a little bit of, uh, of a connection just because – it was so dramatic and the performances were so good. I was like, okay, I, I can sort of see where you're, where, where you're coming from as a character. But on, on the whole, I just felt like there were these really broad arcs that felt a bit too easy. I liked it. <laughs> I, I just I, – I don't think they were too easy. I think that for a two-hour movie to cram all that in – I thought it was incredibly well done. I loved the stuff with the mother and the son. I thought it was all very subtly played, very... He laid it out for you in bits and pieces, and if you wanted to put it together, you could. I don't think I went in looking for it to be a masterwork of, let's put the camera on this character for five minutes and see how he handles it, and let's skip over to her and see how she handles it. I I don't mind it a little bit more slice of life and, and I, I think that stuff like that even though it is the stuff like the romance even though it is purely cinematic and you know maybe a necessary bomb for some of the rougher stuff I think it it, it does add something it, it makes the story I think one worth telling is that there's light at the end of the tunnel for him and that it it makes it you care about how that relationship or at least I cared about how the relationship developed because I think both the actors were so good together you know, you really hope that something could work out for him. But I'm a sap. You know, when I was sitting there watching the film, I found myself thinking back to another comedy. What comedy? From a few is that? years ago, Funny People. Okay. And I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, Funny People was, in my opinion, it was a good movie. It was flawed, very flawed at times, but good. And I'm not sure you would have had we, we would have gotten 50/50 without funny people because that's another movie about a guy dealing with cancer mm-hmm. and the fact that he might die. And it's supposed to be a comedy as well as a drama. Unlike 50/50, though, funny people, I felt like was a lot darker at times. I thought it was a lot more nuanced in terms of how it developed its characters. Like, I watched Funny People, and I wasn't really sure how I felt about a lot of the characters a lot of the time. I was like, man, do I really like how that character is reacting to the situation? I don't know. I kind of do, but in other ways, that character is being kind of a douchebag. Or that relationship, I think it's good in certain ways, but in other ways, that seems like a really bad relationship to be in. And I felt like, in that sense, it was a lot more layered and a lot. It gave me a lot more to chew on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, funny people didn't do too well at the box office. Um, I'm sure it made its money back on DVD and whatnot, but it did not make a profit in theaters. Um, 
And so part of me wonders if there was studio interference with 50-50, and they were like, you know what? We've, ha- we've handled this cancer comedy stuff a little bit in the past, but audiences didn't respond to it. Maybe you should lighten it up a bit, make it a bit more optimistic, make it a bit less morally ambiguous, make our main character more likable, more of a hero. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I think 50-50, on the whole, it's a pretty safe movie. It's it's a fairly well done safe movie, but it's not doing anything tremendously new or innovative, and it didn't give me a whole lot to chew on at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think Funny People's a bad movie. Uh, I thought it was okay. I, I thought Fifty Fifty was much more even when it came to tone. It didn't feel like you were whiplashing back and forth between comedy and drama. That's true. Which yeah. that I would argue. Um, I would argue that I don't mind a little bit of optimism in the movie, um, and I think you can still walk away with stuff to reflect on. I think it still makes you think about questions of mortality and things like that. Um, you know, funny people, I, I guess to me, was a tale about how you treat people and um, right. being a better person, not just because you're dying. You know, I think I just think they're, it's apples and oranges. I don't know if you can really... Compare. I don't know. Maybe maybe I responded a little bit more to funny people precisely because of that, because it's about people dealing with moral issues and how should we treat people when we're healthy? How should we treat people when we're sick? How should we expect people to react to us yeah. when we have a life-threatening disease? And to me, I felt like 50-50 tried to touch on that occasionally. But it didn't really dive in too deep. Um, we, you know, you have moments where, for instance, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt tells Seth Rogen, "You're being selfish. You're not being a true friend." And I can kind of see where that's coming from, but at the same time, on the whole, I'm thinking, you know what? This guy's been there for you I this think- whole time, and uh, I'm not sure if I really see that that layer and that complex ambiguity. I don't think it was supposed to be a true statement. I think it was more of him just hitting a wall and just lashing out and just because the girlfriend basically planted that idea in his head back before when she was like, well, he doesn't have your best interest at heart. And I think he was just looking for somebody to be mad at. I think he just wanted to scream and yell. You know, I think with funny people, I think it's just a, it's a different story. I think we're 50-50. They set out to make a movie about Mortality, it's survivable, and how you know loss impacts your family and the, the people around you as well as you and how you react to a situation like that. I mean, they even touched upon it with the father with the Alzheimer's, and you know, even though the father's still alive, that's still a loss. I mean, he was pretty much gone. Um, as where I think funny people was more about his growth to try and become a better person and how he thought he succeeded, but ultimately at the end of the movie still realized he had a ways to go. Right, and I think that's why funny people resonated with me a bit more because I kind of felt like, well, that's less cookie cutter. That feels more close to life. Like, we never really... In life, we don't have these major epiphanies or these major life events that completely, immediately transform how we behave. It's more like a gradual change. And I felt like 50-50 was a bit too on the nose about a lot of these 
emotional beats and a lot of these changes that the characters are supposedly going through. It like the the ending. Obviously, you know he's not going to die. Mm-hmm. You know that's not going to happen. And if it had happened, I would have probably been more impressed with the film for taking that kind of risk. But um, you know he's not going to die. And they mentioned they even mentioned at the end that like that he had to like have part of his pelvis removed and stuff like that. And I was thinking, oh, that's that's that. How will that affect him in the future? They don't really touch on it. He's apparently fine perfectly healthy at the end. And I think it's very telling that the moment he wakes up after his big surgery, his dad is there with Alzheimer's, and his dad, for the first time in the film, says his name and remembers who he is. And that, to me, was kind of like just a sign of, oh, this movie is a huge fantasy this ending is a is all very happy it's all very cookie cutter everything that could go fine does go fine there there are no repercussions he's got the girl everyone you know life is great it's okay though i would argue that it's okay again i'm not saying i dislike the film i'm saying but as a result it didn't resonate as much with me because i felt like well that's not really true to life uh, see, I always movies aren't life. I mean, we we try. They're an approximation of, I guess, our aspirations of what we hope life could be. I mean, I I, I also have a problem with movies that go really really dark and would have killed them off just because I think that's just a big a cliche to be like, oh, we're so artsy and hip, hip and bold, we're gonna kill him. And I kept waiting for him to get like hit by a car as he was leaving the hospital. In a mainstream film like this with Seth Rogen, that would have been amazing. Hey, you never know. Could have been his bold, I'm an artist now. And I would be like, bravo, sir. You got the studios to agree to that. Bravo. Suck it. (laughs) Maybe it just comes down to you're an optimist and I'm a pessimist. Yeah, I'm a sap and you're too cerebral. I can be... Romantic and optimistic. Thank you. I can. Thank you. There are romantic movies I like, believe okay. it or not. Okay. But wh- I, I think to me, when you're trying to juggle this comedy versus drama, we're like, we're going to be funny, but and we're going to have these like stoner stereotypes, and we're going to have this broad humor, but we're also going to be this meditation on life and death, and we're going to have this cancer drama. It just, uh, like, the totally the balance works fairly well. It does. Emotionally, not really. It hit me where I live. Okay. I no, but I liked it. I I was moved. Well, I was moved. You know what? When I have cancer, oh my god. It's all going to be okay according to 50/50. I don't have to worry about anything. My therapist is going to be hot, younger than me, and uh, we're going to start a relationship. And everything's going to be great. That's one super tolerant therapist. <laughs> you know, you got the, the sickness, the personality issues, tasteless Thanks lot, jokes. Frank. Thanks a lot, Frank. I take it when I get cancer, you're not going to be my Seth Rogen. <laughs> supporting me every step of the way. Well, send a Christmas card. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for our discussion of 50-50. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing 
The Ides of March. Frank, I know you've really been looking forward to this film, so why don't you tell our listeners what it's about, why you're so excited to see it? Um, I'm excited to see it because George Clooney's in it, and he um, wrote, co-wrote and, di- and directed it. Um, stars our old pal Ryan Gosling. He plays a political aide to George Clooney's candidate, and political back-dealing and wheeling ensues. It's a political thriller. It's a political thriller. Well put. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's I – th- I believe it's based on a book. I think it's based on a play, Farragut North. You're right. It is based on a play. And it will be interesting to see if Mr. Clooney, who is also directing, um, brings up any political themes that seem to tie in with what we're seeing nowadays in terms of the – in terms of politics. That should be interesting, I think. It could. I just want it to be a good story. Well told. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that will be the case, but we hope you liked today's show. We'd love to get your feedback and see what you thought of 50-50. Settle this debate for us. Did it emotionally resonate with you? If so, write in. Let us know what you thought. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com you can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please uh, subscribe and write us a review. Help get the word out about the show. You can also donate to the show through the website. We really appreciate all of your support. We really do rely on, on you guys to keep us going. Frank, where can people find you online? You're on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, FJ Reddy at Twitter, uh, Facebook. I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find some of my writing at www.thecoolishobeffect.com. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. And if you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know that you are a Cinema Fix fan, and I will be sure to follow you back. All right, that'll wrap it up for our discussion of 50-50. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Reddy. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. Have a good night. I have cancer. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!